0: Welcome listeners to the Speaking From Our Hearts podcast episode where today I'm joined by a gentleman from the Wirral in the northwest of England by the name of Dr. Joe Delaney. Dr. Joe, a very, very warm welcome to
1: you. Thanks very much, mate. Nice talking to you again.
0: And I believe we're going to be talking uh, today. I mean, how do you want to be addressed uh, throughout our conversation?
1: Just Joe's fine, mate. you don't have to call me sir or your Majesty or anything like that. Well, just Joe's fine.
0: Not, not yet. Anyway, I mean, you know, watch the New Year's Honours list, and that might be a different story. <laughs>
1: indeed, indeed.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, just Joe's fine, mate.
0: Okay, Joe. And then, uh, I mean, essentially, Joe, you're going to be talking to us today about getting real with Doctor Joe, offering epic help. Yeah. So, okay. Without further ado, then, Joe, let's get the show on the road. Give us an insight into what that all means.
1: All right. Well, first of all, I'm not a doctor of medicine. I'm a doctor in medicine. And um, my PhD, so I'm a proper doctor. I've got a PhD in medicine. And what my subject area or study was, how what goes on between your ears affects your heart and how you can change your heart to change the way your brain waves work to make better quality choices. That's what I learned through the seven years of my PhD, that we have much more control and regulation over our brainwaves if we focus on our heart first and our body, because most of the techniques that the world still uses are based upon strengthening your willpower and gritting your teeth and all that, you know. And um, that, to me, couldn't be further from the truth. I think that we need to let go, soften up and start to be much more compassionate with ourselves. That's what I've learned through my experience. So people ask me, what exactly are you a doctor of? And I tell them it's called integrative medicine. And um, they say, can you explain that simply? And I say, yes, it's quite simple. It's psychoneuroendocrinoimmunohematology. <laughs> and they normally they normally shut up at that point and say, Oh, well, go on then. What's all that about? And basically, Paul, what I've learned, right, is – If you focus and become aware of your breathing and you focus and become aware of your mood state, you can actually change negative emotion by supplanting it with a positive emotion or a Mm lightheartedness. And if you breathe in a very particular way, you can actually change the way your brain waves work. And over time, you can develop new positive patterns of behavior, which changes the way your brain itself works and your life changes, you know. Does that make sense, mate?
0: It makes perfect sense. And and on that note, uh, Joe, I just want to take it back a a notch if I can to that how you introduced at the top of the conversation around the uh, the more uh, willpower, ego driven, headstrong, certainly from the headspace way of being. Um, yeah, yeah. let's just dwell on that a little bit, Joe. Because isn't it isn't it true that most of us at some time or another, if not through the predominant part of our lives, actually come from that head-driven space. And isn't it true, Joe, that actually some of us probably never even leave it? Would that be a fair comment?
1: Yeah, I think that majority of the world's population never leave that because they don't get the understanding. You know, I've talked to you at length, you know, about where we've come from and the the experiences we've had. Mm. And m- my background is really I was. I was brought up in quite an impoverished sort of environment, uh, which was heavily driven by tradition, Irish, Roman, Catholic tradition. It was basically a culture of fear, a culture of, you know, forget emotional sensitivity, toughen up, grit your teeth, get on with it, you know. And for a person like me who was extremely sensitive since I was born and probably a lot longer before that, you know, I always found that hard to toughen up Grip my teeth and get through life. It never worked for me, so I, I agree entirely with you. I don't think many people get the opportunity to look themselves square in the eyes, right, and to let go of that ego-driven um, choices in life, you know. And I, I think now I can sense when my ego's coming in, because to me, ego's all about two things. It's about fear on the one hand and pride on the other hand, mm. and. By practicing certain techniques like mindfulness, meditation and stuff, you start to develop some space away from your ego and you can start to see how it automatically jumps in in environmental conditions. You know, And that's what I've learned about myself now is when I feel tense or I feel a grip in my gut or I feel my neck and my head shoulders and my jaw tightening, I know that the ego's jumped in. And it's probably the wrong time to make any decisions in that tense state. There's a technical word for it. It's called egocentric contraction. And I know now, Paul, because I've practiced for a long time, I can feel even when it's subtly and sneakily trying to get in. And then I just breathe it away, drop my shoulders, take a step back. And when I feel comfortable and open and flowing, then I make a decision then. And that's where my life's changed around by understanding that uh, if I become sensitively aware of my body and the sort of um, responses and signals that my body's sending me, I can actually choose much more healthier options.
0: Yeah. And, uh, well, we spoke off air Joe, didn't we, about, I mean, this is flying off it's a tangent a bit, but I think it's very relevant, um, you know, about our love of animals and particularly in the context of what we've just spoken about, cats. And isn't that... That love of something else taking away from that egocentric me, 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 i.e., in this case, the cat, isn't that a fantastic way of dissolving that ego?
1: Yeah, I agree, mate. And I I think what I found out about me is that from a very early age, I was conditioned or programmed with other people's fears, mostly my mum's fears, you know. And you know my story. It was only until I was 38 years of age and at the point of killing myself right because after years of years of stress anxiety depression um i came to a point where i thought i just can't handle this anymore i was drinking to excess i was hurting so many people and i just sort of i just wanted to end it you know and it something happened to me in that process i mean i should be dead i took enough tablets to to kill an elephant Uh, but something happened in the point of me doing this where I sort of felt, I'm sure this is called The Peace That Passeth All Understanding. This understanding descended upon me and I really clearly saw that up to that point, I'd been living everybody else's ideas, everybody else's emotions, everybody else's attitudes. And it was almost as if all that was jettisoned from me and I came round, right? And and from that day, I've started to live my life through an open and flowing heart and really to sense my way through life using my feelings, not what my stinking thinking head tells me. Yeah. So you're right about the cat. I mean, before, I mean, I I didn't care about animals. I didn't even see animals. All I could think about is getting my own way or defending myself and keeping out of danger, really.
0: Mm, Yeah. I can resonate with that so strongly, Joe, so strongly, um, you know, as you know, from our, our, uh, our previous conversations. Um, But, I mean, I suppose in many respects, I want to play devil's advocate now from a listener perspective and, and and quote something that's said to me semi-regularly, yeah, it's okay for you, Paul, and, and your guests, because you know these things, I don't really understand it, I'm too busy surviving, and I suppose part of our responsibility, Joe, is it not to kind of raise that awareness to say, well, okay, you know, we've all been there. Uh, There's no judgment with that. You know, we're all on different sort of points of our path, but there is a way forward. And is it incumbent upon, dare I say, the likes of us, Joe, to sort of lend that metaphoric arm, you know, hold that torch, provide that guiding light to say, do you know what? We do have choices and there is another way. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, totally, mate. And people ask me the same questions. It's all right for you, you know. And I. all I have to do is, I don't know whether I'm carrying a torch, but I know that if I just, from my heart, share my experience, share my um, strength in that I've, I've turned that round and come through it and share my hope for everybody else, that if they can practice and use the same tools that I do, and and thousands upon thousands of other people have used, then it will work for them because there is a solution, mate. There's no such thing as a hopeless case, mm. right? And that's what I found out because that's what people used to think about me, my family, my friends, the people I associated with. They thought, and I used to hear them saying, there's just no hope for him. And I know now that's hope for everybody. But as you say, it's how do you – my problem was I, I didn't – need people telling me what i needed to do i worked that out for myself because i'm not stupid right it's just that my behavior right i couldn't stop drinking i couldn't stop taking all these medications and non-medications to try and change the way that i felt so my view now is that i suppose in a way by sharing my truth from the heart it does seem to have an impact upon people you know so i don't think there's a hopeless case i i think everybody to be, can be helped but one thing i've learned is that i am responsible for the choices i make i'm responsible for the consequences of those choices and that's that's where i'm up to nobody did anything to me without my permission at some level that's what i've learned mm. and that 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 rankles people's uh, you know that, that gets them sometimes you know because that's the point I, people used to say that to me. I didn't want to hear what they were saying because what it really meant is that I had to stand back, turn my eyes around the other way and to start to look at myself. And that's what I was running away from all my life, Paul. You, you know this. I, I was running away from facing myself. And yeah. in the end, that's become my biggest sort of freedom is to be, to own up to every emotion that I have and, and stuff like that. I don't know whether that makes sense, but that, that's what I feel.
0: It makes perfect sense yet again, Joe, because the reality of that, isn't it? It's so easy you know for us to lash out. It ain't me. Why is it always me? Oh, it's alright for you. You know, nobody's got a problem in the world like I have. Why is it me? Why does this only happen to me? You know, and that kind of well, you know, I'll keep saying it and simplifying it, Joe. That headspace that we that we can dwell in. Um, And and I'll take responsibility for my own statement rather than putting it out there as a generalization uh, and projecting it onto others. But my victimhood that I dwelt in for many years because I bought into the script, the story of my early years. Uh, And I bought into that, Joe, because quite frankly, from a level of awareness, I didn't know anything else. And I think, you know, that kind of there in life, the problem for all of us, because we don't know what we don't know exactly and
1: no I totally agree mate and, and this is the thing is once you see the light as it were you know it's almost like a spiritual thing once I got this piece to pass us all understanding I almost felt like I was turned round from the gates of insanity and death and lack of clarity of mind and all this I clearly saw what had happened to me and in that instant something happened that it almost changed my polarity. And from that day on, and this was 28 years ago coming up now, from that day on, I've just plodded on one step at a time, right? And it's almost like I've taken everything that's come to me as a challenge rather than a sort of thing to be afraid of, you know? So like you said, I I use the same terminology. I sort of went from victim status to victor, you know? Mm. And has it been easy? Has it hell? It's been (laughs) some days it's been like absolute hell, you know? but I haven't needed or wanted to drink. I haven't needed or wanted a drug. I haven't needed to take anything to quell my emotional state because I know that there's some power or strength in me that I can tap into that will show me and guide me the way out of all these tricky situations. Call it intuition if you like, you know, and that's what I've learned is I sort of allow my intuition and inspiration to guide my next move. Now, Paul, you know I didn't understand this until I understood it. Like you've just said, you just don't know till you know. Absolutely.
0: And what, listening to you speak there, Joe, what went through my mind is, I know Tony Robbins talks about how you can change your life in a heartbeat. And, you know, when I first heard that a few years ago, I thought it was, you know, kind of just kind of uh, inspir- well, motivational hype. But I think the more you do raise your own level of awareness through exactly what we're talking about, you realise, and you know the 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 long expansive road of learning that I know that we've both taken, Joe. Do you look back on that now and think, okay, yeah, it took me X amount to learn or to get to this state in on my path now, but looking back, knowing what I know now, brackets raised awareness. It could actually be done in a heartbeat, literally. I mean, what's your thoughts around that, Joe?
1: Yeah, I totally agree, mate. I think within the core of every human being is almost like a perfect template of happiness and joy and lightheartedness. And I think we, as you say, we sort of took on board the story of everybody else and we allowed this shield, or, or I allowed this shield around me, Call the ego if you like, to really block out the sunlight of this spiritual self, you know. And I agree that you can either peel off the onion rings or the layers one by one, which could take eons of time, or you could just get a knife and just cut it away immediately and turn around and start again, you know. I really believe, because you, you know that my PhD was about something called heart rate variability, and I teach people now that through breathing – and through using positive emotion in a particular way, they can get these sort of polarities or the dualities or the yin and the yang at the level of their heart. They can actually balance that out. And when it perfectly balances, this peace descends and inspiration just seems to emerge. And call that what you like, mate. So I call it my soul and my soul's purpose. And, you know, um, I believe, you know, I'm not a religious person, but I can see where religious people uh, are coming from when they, they talk about allow the soul to work through you. I understand perfectly what that means.
0: Mm.
1: So I'm, I've forgotten the question you asked there, to be honest. But um, no, no, I, I know what it was. You know, can you change in a heartbeat? My uh, experience is, yes, you can. You can either do this by a long sort of uh, drawn-out process of uh, unwinding and going backwards or you could just change in an instant if you get your breathing and your emotion correct. Is that
0: process of change, Joe? Is that um, made quicker? Is that expedited by, um, I kind of hasten to use the term, but having a mentor, a guide? You know, dare I say somebody like yourself that's trodden that path to say, look, yes, you can go on this voyage of discovery. However, it will be so much more, I don't know if efficient's the right word, Joe, but less painful if there is a guide on the side to steer you through the potential pitfalls. What's your thoughts around that, Joe?
1: I I think my thoughts are, yeah, I mean, you'd be daft, wouldn't you, not listening to people who've trodden the path, who you share the same, you know, when you listen to someone, you think, hang on, I'm like that, you know. You'd be daft not asking them, well, how did you do it? But Mm. the point is, I just tell people what I've done. But then I say, but it might work exactly the opposite for you because we're all unique. Our patterns of conditioning are completely different. So this is what I did and this worked. This is what I did and it didn't work. Why don't you try it? And if it doesn't work, why don't you bin that idea and try the other way? Paul, I was afraid of making mistakes, mate, because I had this idea of if I make a mistake, first of all, what will they think of me? I've come to a point now in my life, right, where I don't give a hoot what anybody else thinks of me except me, you know, and that's a massive big change for me because all the time before I took an action, I always imagined if this goes wrong, how will people react to me, you see. So I was basically living a life of um, fear and afraid to take any uh, actions in case I made a mistake. So, yes, my view is sometimes it's useful to have somebody who's been through very similar personal lived experiences.
0: Mm. On that note, there, Joe, around, uh, and I quote, "I don't give a hoot." And and I love the diplomacy, by the way, because we're on yes. air. Yeah.
1: <laughs> because yeah, I was going to say I couldn't give a shit, but I thought no one on air. <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: even that had been uh, infinitely yeah, yeah. more. That, um, that was
1: tame, tame, yeah. according to our... Our previous conversations. Yeah, uh,
0: yeah. and <laughs> it's not gone unnoticed, Joe, and it's very much appreciated on behalf of our listeners. Thank you. Okay. Um, <laughs> but sort of on that, Joe, um, is that, um, okay, so on the one hand, there is that what the first reaction maybe from some listeners, oh, okay, so there's a sort of, hmm, an ego-driven response. So I don't really give a monkey's about what you think, say, or feel about where my life's at now. Is there isn't the reality, though, Joe, that for us to be able to make that statement with, and I'm going to use a word now that's massively overused, and we've sp- spoken about this, authenticity, to really speak that truth from your heart around this is me, um, you know, like it or lump it, so to speak. But isn't it true, though, Joe, for us to be able to make that statement, um, there's also a vulnerability that goes with that, that initially people might not pick that up. Would Would you agree with that as well?
1: Totally, when I say I don't give a hoot at what people think of me, that's not meant in a defensive way or anything like that or up yours. I don't really care. It's not said in a harmful way. It's I've come to the realization that I lived my life trying to read other people's minds and what they thought about me, or let me do it this way, what I thought that they thought about me was more important than what I thought about myself. And mm-hmm. that's changed now because, of course, I don't want to say anything that offends people. But here's the thing is that if I'm offended by what somebody else says, then I'm missing the point as well because there's two sides of me. There's a side of me that's complete, open, flowing loveliness that doesn't get offended by anything. And there's another side of me that's called the ego that gets offended by everything, you see. So (laughs) as, as you lose your ego more and more, it doesn't really matter what anybody says to you. If you're okay with yourself, you just get on with it really. And so there's no defensive. I don't care what people call me now. They can call me an egomaniac. They can call me all sorts of things beginning with F and this and F and that. I really don't care because most of the time I can just laugh it off because it doesn't land anymore. But before Paul, Sticks and stones could break my bones, but names would never hurt me. I had that the wrong way round, mate, because anybody who called me a name or a felt, felt was having a go at me, it crucified me. Mm. It doesn't anymore, you know. So I'm not, be, I'm not saying these things to be horrible. I'm just trying to make the point that I've been freed from all that emotional sensitivity because it was all based upon what I think is a false and pretentious ego structure.
0: Yeah. And and that's yeah, and and you've summed it up perfectly there, Joe. And that was the point I was trying to, to sort of elicit. here. And it brings in that kind of that polarisation or that perceived polarisation between the, the the head and the heart. And and I'll set set us off on this kind of little thread, Joe, if I may, by saying uh, by introducing a, a phrase that um, I know is, is is renowned throughout the world, irrespective of culture. Um, big boys don't cry and the reality is well we'll see what the reality is. Um, but it's I've, I've, I introduced that Joe as a way of saying well whether they do or whether they, they don't and you know we'll we'll kind of prod and poke this conversation between us but the reality is that is a decision that's made by either the head or the heart isn't it and I think yet that's, again yeah. to have that strength, to have that vulnerability to speak from the heart, which is essentially why this podcast was formed uh, in the very first place, um, you know, over a year ago, albeit called something slightly different then, Mastering the Game of Life. But that truth, that power, that wisdom, Joe, that comes from speaking from our hearts, which can be initially perceived as, and I'll use this word because it's a word that's been fired at me weakness any thoughts around that joe
1: yeah yeah i'm coming up to 65 years of age sometimes i'm watching the telly or i'll see an animal or whatever and i'll be overcome with the most sometimes i can just cry me leg off at the things that i see and i don't try and stop it anymore you know because i i lived in a state of repression suppression uh, I allowed oppression to happen to me. I don't anymore, Paul, because expressing myself from the heart has opened my throat and it's given me the ability to say how what I think and, and share what I feel at any moment. The only time I don't really share how I feel is if it's anger, because I think that you can allow anger to come up and be transformed through the heart. And it almost like becomes a dynamism then, if you like, you know. So. Um, once you start to get tuned in to the way your emotions work, you can pick them up at the start of them and decide whether you want to allow them to drive you. Right. And, you know, uh, I'm not explaining this very well, but I'm like a big softy at depth. And um, there's, there's two sides of me depending on the situation, what what the situation requires. I can be as hard as hell if the situation demands and I can be soft like a rabbit, at the, uh, you know, I'm not really explaining this very well, but I I allow my emotions to come up, right? If they're real emotions. And what I found out, you mentioned head and heart, right? I think that the head can fool you by generating emotions. And I think that that's called sentimental. I think these are feelings that are made up from the ego. Mm -hmm. But until you realize the difference and you can discern between what's a real heartfelt, genuine emotion and what's a sentimental emotion, then you're still in that trap of, you know, um, judgment. Like, I don't know whether that's made sense. I was a bit sort of all around the place there. No, that's,
0: it, it has made sense to you. I mean, one of the, it's interesting about the anger thing and the frustration and the, if we can use an umbrella term, negativity or perceived negativity, because people, people often think that, you know, when you're a kind of in a certain phase of being relaxed and generally, you know, and I'll use a common phrase, Joe sorted whatever sorted is um you know it's like oh you never get angry you never get flustered and well yeah yeah but it is it's about allowing that Joe isn't it so that when that anger and that frustration does come it's recognizing it it's actually embracing it as being part of a vulnerable human being isn't it and saying okay do you know what somebody's just cut me up I've nearly crashed my car Uh, through stupidity or jumping a red light or whatever this I've been forced to do. Um, Yes, there is that kind of flight natural reaction, but I acknowledge it, I witness it, and I let it in and I let it out rather than, okay, look, I can't deal with this now. Let me put it up into this headspace. I'll deal with it later because I'm late for my appointment anyway, and I haven't got time to think about this this incident or this situation that's just really, really peeved me. And and then we put it up into the headspace, Joe, and that's a dangerous place to give um, board and lodgings to a lodger, isn't
1: it? I couldn't agree more, Mason. that's That's how I live my life now. I get the gut grip. And there's not much you can do about the first reaction. It's what you do next that counts. Yeah, and you can either shove it up, repress it, and push it up into the headspace, as you call it, or you can allow it into the heart space to trans to diffuse, to transform, and to be used for positive purpose. So that's what mindfulness is to me. Mindfulness is not about doing something else with thoughts. It's actually what you do with feelings that are generated, you know. And uh, yeah, I mean, I just didn't know any of this stuff, you know. I, I, for years and years and years, I was in what's called denial. And the thing about denial is, Paul, as you know, is when you're in denial, you don't know you're in denial. Everybody else around you can see it except yourself because, as I said before, you don't want to look at what the problem is, right? And the problem is you, right? Or it was me. Yeah. And people used to say to me, you know, the, the subtle ones, you know, if you want to know what the problem is, look in the mirror. And I used to think, get away, get away from me, I'll kill you. And so so that <laughs> that defensive sort of, Um, response was get away from me I really know at depth what's going on but I don't want you to tell me because I'm not ready yet you know
0: yeah the uh, well as we're coming towards uh, a close Joe of this uh, you know immensely immensely uh, insightful conversation I want to ask you a really big question but I want to park that for literally a minute um, because I want to ask you how can people get in touch with you, Joe? What's your contact details if they want to find out more about who you are, the invaluable work you do? How can they reach out for you, Joe?
1: Well, they can. If they, the best way at the moment is, I have a full-time academic job, but you know, most of the stuff is I put like little videos out with little messages in that I feel come through me, if you like, for want of a better expression. Mm. So they can become a friend of mine, if you like, on on Facebook, and if they just put um. Dr. Joe Delaney, D-E-L-A-N-E-Y, on Facebook and send a friend message. Then, um, you know, I'll, I'll click on them and then they can get access to the stuff that I'm doing. The other thing is, Paul, I have um, a YouTube site. It's called the I Am Approach to Health and Well-Being. Just I-A-M, Approach to Health and Well-Being. And that'll come up, and you'll see my lovely face on there. And you might want to switch off immediately, you know. <laughs> but there's a whole load of um, there's a whole load of stuff on there that may be helpful. But be aware, you know, it's for entertainment purposes only. I, I'm not suggesting what people should do. All I'm talking about is myself. And mm. um, there's and be aware also. There's a lot of adult human on there as well. So there we are. There's the uh, there's the warning, you know.
0: On the note of humour, Joe, I'll just I'll just quit back on that. You do surprise me, <laughs> and and leave it at that. So anyway, to the big the big question, Joe, and I always set this for for guests um, by way of the you know the final question, and it's the proverbial elevator. Thirty seconds in the elevator together, Joe, going up to the next level. So I get in the elevator with you. I've got thirty seconds, or you've got thirty seconds. What's the one piece of advice, Joe, that you'd leave to somebody that you were sharing a lift with for 30 seconds, or whatever the context is, 30 seconds, that real kind of knockout punch, piece of advice, insight, call it what you will. What would that be, Joe?
1: We're in a world where we've got to get our heads around things, or that's what they tell us. It couldn't be further from the truth. What I found is what I was always looking for, Paul, and this sounds very corny, is that what I needed was right under my nose Mm. and it was about six inches away from my nose and it's called my heart. And I know that if you turn your eyes the other way around and start looking inwards, that's where all these solutions lay. That's where your peace of mind is. So um, to thine own self be true. That's what I'd say.
0: Super. Joe, immense gratitude once again for um, not only your time, but more importantly, your massive massive insights and sharing your experience and your vul- vulnerability thank you joe thank you immensely thanks
1: very much mate god bless you
0: and so there we are listeners the uh, the immensely powerful dr joe delaney and all that remains for me to say now is remember no matter what you do in life always walk your path with heart. hearts helping everyone achieve results towards success